I'm Dr. Lara Devgan. I'm a plastic surgeon in New York City, the CEO of Scientific Beauty, and of course, a major beauty enthusiast. You are listening to Beauty Bosses, where we chat with fellow industry leaders who are shaping beauty, fashion, wellness, and all things pretty. Hello, I am so excited about today's episode of Beauty Bosses. We have an amazing guest, Kara Price, who is the co-founder of an online reading community called Bellatrist with Emma Roberts and the co-host of a really cool AI podcast called Sleepwalkers on iHeartRadio. That's exactly what you That was amazing. <laughs> Nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> That's exactly what I do. Um, yeah. So I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you for having me. This is very cool. I'm so excited about this, not only because you're a fellow podcaster, and I feel like you know that says something about both of us. We like to talk. We like yeah. to talk. And listen. <laughs> and listen. And listen. Um, but it's really fun because we're new friends. We just met not that long ago. Yes. Um, at an event you were hosting. Tell us about that event where we met. So yeah, so we met at, I always, is, is it Moda Operandi or Operandi? I say Moda Operandi, but I think if you're cool, you just say Moda. Moda, right. There, That's how you avoid the problem. You just say Moda. So we were at Moda. And um, yeah, so uh, Lauren basically had reached out to Emma and been like, we want to do more book-related stuff. We want to do more stuff in store because they have this incredible space. And so she asked if we'd like co-host an event. And we had chosen this book that I think became one of the more popular books of the summer called Three Women by Lisa Tadeo. And I, Lisa came and I interviewed her and you asked a very thought-provoking question that I'm now forgetting, but it was very good. It was about how Jeffrey Epstein made me feel really <laughs> stressed about reading that book. Right, 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 right. This was like peak Epstein in like <laughs> July or August, right? And um, yeah, and so that was really cool. And then we're doing another one on Thursday about... The infamous Anna Delvey um, with Rachel Williams, who was, I guess, her friend and then wrote a book about it when she sort of became the famous fake heiress that we know her to be now. So, yeah, it's very it's a very cool thing. I, I really like, like, interdisciplinary conversations. Like, I, I think people are like, well, what do, you know, what do books have to do with fashion? Or, like, what, you know, why would you be on a beauty about? I think there's, it's very important for, like, different communities from different spaces, whether it be fashion or beauty or, I don't, you know, science, whatever, to have, like, interdisciplinary conversations. Totally, because that's where you not only have that Venn diagram of overlap, but you also push the envelope in thinking about your own field. Exactly, exactly. So so that's where we met, and uh, you said you had this podcast, and then I sort of checked it out, and uh, I'm really happy to be here and to talk to you. Yeah, it's so fun. Okay, so I want to rewind to learn more about you and how you got to this point. Have you always been a reader? Oh, wait. My parents, I grew up around publishing. My parents were in publishing. My mother is still a very active literary publicist, which is kind of a weird niche that she carved out, but she represents a lot of uh, lifestyle politicians, uh, cooks, chefs, excuse me. Um in the book space who like go and write books and she helps them get publicity and um my dad who passed away was a publisher and uh so I always grew up with them sort of lamenting like oh my god it's so hard to you know, get people to buy books and it's it's like a very hard industry don't go into it and um and so when I grew up I grew up more as a reader than as someone who thought they were like going to go into publishing which I don't consider myself in publishing but um 
but yeah, I've always been a reader, and uh, Emma and I have been friends for like over 10 years, and she started basically posting on her own personal Instagram, which had a much bigger following than mine, um, a lot of the books she was reading, and people were, for, like people, as much as she posts like beauty and fashion stuff, she also was posting a lot of her books, and basically decided like, okay, I wanna start an adjacent brand that isn't related to my name, but that is basically like only book recommendations. And so that's how we started Bellatrist. You can check us out at Bellatrist on Instagram. Um, also Bellatrist.com, like where we keep our book of the month. So that's kind of how we started Bellatrist. I was a big reader, always have been a big reader, and she and I talked about books. And we sort of were like, well, let's extend this book club online. And that was about two and a half years ago already, which is crazy. But that's what we've been up to. So how big is the community? Do you have numbers or well, we have like two, we have like two, uh, two hundred and eighteen thousand followers on Instagram, and we have a very large newsletter that we aren't. I'm not allowed to say how many followers we have on the newsletter, but we have a, a very healthy newsletter yeah, following. So funny you say that because metrics are like a secret, sort of. Very secret. I mean, that's how Netflix does what they do. Sort of. That's their data. But yeah, so we have um, we have a newsletter. We have our website. And, you know, we try as much as possible to do things like the event that we're doing on Thursday because we think, like, having, you know, in real life touch points is really important, um, especially because reading is kind of isolating. And people, I think whenever I talk to people, especially with nonfiction, they're like, I need to talk about this. Like, with three women, people are like, I need to talk about this book. So as much as we can, like, I either use live video to interview authors or on Instagram Live. Um, but yeah, like we started Bellatrix because we wanted to like maximize the Instagram tools for a reading audience, essentially. I think that's so neat because I have always been a reader since I was little. And like even in college, I was an English major because I just loved mm. to consume books. And um, I think that something that is missing from most people's daily professional lives is a little bit of mental reprieve and a little bit of valuable activity that doesn't have a discrete goal-directed end in sight. Like reading a book is a form of enrichment that's not one-to-one correlated with, you know, getting a job, a significant other, a paycheck, or et cetera, et cetera. It's just like, it's making you a little bit more thoughtful. And yet, if you're thoughtful, you're probably going to have an easier time finding a job and a partner. (laughs) No, I mean, seriously, I mean, it's like, it's not, I I agree, it's not goal-oriented, which is really important. But it is, like, very enriching, which will make you better in aspects of your life where you want to thrive and succeed. Is that the same kind of thought process that made you want to start the podcast, or was it a different motivation? Well, the podcast, so before I started Bellatrice, I had been working at the Huffington Post doing, like, uh, video production, and I was doing some on-air stuff. I hosted this show uh, that was, like, a HuffPost show called Talk Nerdy to Me. Where I would basically oh God, like, that's so funny. <laughs> translate science for like a lay audience, and so my friend Oz, who um, had been a producer and worked for PBS, had gotten this opportunity to do podcasts for iHeart like a year and a half ago, and he knew that I had always been obsessed with technology and obsessed with sort of reporting for talk nerdy to me. So he was like, "Would you co-host this with me?" Because I think you, he's very British and went to Oxford and, and has a very different vibe than I do. And so he wanted someone to compliment him in that way. And 
so I said yes, and it was a lot more work than I thought. <laughs> podcast, this podcast, it was a lot more work than I thought, and we're doing another season. Um, but it, it was similar in that I think it's important. I think it's important that people understand what AI is because it's so all encompassing. It touches so many different parts of our lives now, especially like who you meet on Tinder, how you get an Uber, how you get Postmates, this is all... How you get fed ads when you're having a verbal conversation in another room from your cell phone and you get fed an ad for that same item. That's right. We talked to a woman on the show who... This is actually a really dark story, but we talked to a woman um, who had lost her child. She had a stillbirth, and like days after, she had started still receiving maternity ads because the Facebook algorithm didn't unlearn that she was pregnant. And so she was sort of stalked by this, like, haunting, like, algorithmically charged advertising ghoul, right? Like, it was maternity, and then there was an adoption ad that she got, too, after she had sort of trained the algorithm to not target her with pregnancy ads. It was oh really, it's, and that, we did that for episode one, when we were talking about sort of what do we mean when we say the algorithm, you know? Um, but yeah, to me, I mean, I tried... I think what, like, being entrepreneurial means is, like, trying to turn your interest into things that you can make money on. Yeah. And um, and so I think with Sleepwalkers, it's, like, I personally just care a lot about knowing about technology and technological advancements. And so when I was asked to do this podcast, I was like, sure, of course I'll do it. I mean, it's something I can get paid to contribute to. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, you know, one challenge of being – in a more creative field like podcasting or literature or literacy is how do you make that into a business right. model? Yeah. So yeah. Do, would you care, <laughs> care to elaborate on that? And you yeah. know, feel free to be uh, specific about yourself or to speak more generally if that's more comfortable. But how can people listening to this, like let's say somebody else wants to start a cool online community about books or about yeah. AI or et cetera, what, how do you monetize that? Well, I think, um, I think for me or for us with Bellatrix, like we're, we're very fortunate in that like Emma does have a very large platform. And when we first started out, it was not to create a business at all. Um, it was really like we wanted to start this online community. And what I did learn early on is like most good businesses now start as communities first and then you can try to sell things to your community. Um, but because there isn't much of a business in a book club, we actually decided to pivot and like are going more into the original content space. So like basically developing things for TV and film. So that's actually how we're making money on that side of things in a weird way, in a, in a sort of tangential way. Like we don't make money on Bellatrix as an Instagram. That's more of like a community touch point and we think it's really important to be a place where people can come and get books recommended to them. Um, so in that way, you know, I think for us, like we distilled what the thing was that we were really passionate about and got good at, which was recommending books that people really liked. And then saying to the, you know, marketplace, which develops TV and film, like, Hey, we have an audience here. And like, we also really are like a, a recommender essentially like we're using Bellatrix as a curation tool so we did not start thinking like oh we'll, we're gonna develop this into a business um, 
but we saw an opportunity. And as far as a as far as Sleepwalkers is concerned, like, you know, I get paid as a contributor, and now we're starting to think about like, we're starting to think about season two. We're starting to think about possibly you know a show that's more on a weekly basis. Like with podcasting, and this is just something I learned recently. It's like frequency is really important with podcasting. So like, if you want to make money on advertising honestly do a daily one if you can I mean in the sense of like I think if you can build a daily audience like that is something that's very attractive to advertisers that weekly like you know we do a very like reported 10 episode podcast that is what they call prestige play but is not like a you know a very financially feasible way of you know doing things so we want to see what it would look like to report more frequently about technology um, but yeah, I think turning your passions into a business is also like, I'm a creative person, I'm not a business person, I've never, like, I've, I've never sort of, uh, thought of myself as a business person, but I do think there are ways, especially now that favor creative people, creative minds, and then you can find your people who are willing to like take bets on the way that you think and create things if that makes sense um I think that also if you're a creative person you should find someone who's a business partner, or you can find a business partner mm-hmm. that's like much more dedicated to to making money essentially if that makes sense yeah and I guess that's sort of figure out your strengths and weaknesses and then yeah. find someone who's going to complement them yeah exactly exactly so yeah I mean in the in the book business I think the book business is, is tough because you know, you can be someone who's somewhat of an influencer and write a book and make money in that way. But the publishing business is, it is really hard to make money in publishing if you work in publishing. Um, but I do think there's a, I don't know, I think there's a tremendous opportunity that we could explore that we haven't explored yet as far as like selling books to people, um, like doing more live events. Like these are things that I wouldn't have thought of we started early on just because I was like doing it out of like the pureness of my heart mm-hmm. wanting to recommend good books to people but I, I do think that they're I've definitely started to think like whether I tried to or not more about like okay what are ways that like we can infer- like of course, of course. Bolster because now experience. you must have you know publishers pitching their books to you to be part of the next Beltris you know reading yeah and I think I mean I think what's important to remember for us is, and I was talking to someone about this today, like publishing companies don't have brand affinity in the way that like Glossier has brand affinity or Gucci has brand affinity. Like, and they don't need to, they just need to be good at publishing books. But like, I think it's our job as a brand, Bellatrix as a brand, to be a destination where people are like, okay, maybe I don't know that author or I don't know the publisher that's publishing this book, but I do know that I like the books that Bellatrix choose. And so like whatever they, tell me to read I'm gonna read like that would that would be like a metric for success for me if like someone didn't know an author never heard of it never heard of the book and was like I'm gonna try this because it's a Bellatrix book like that's basically the, the goal how do you find people most like to engage with an online book club <laughs> like do people like to leave Instagram comments do they like to watch live videos do, how, do, how do you participate in the way that we did at Moda or the way you do it in your friend's living room when you're all having a glass of wine looking at a book. Well, something that I've noticed that I think is really interesting and I hope exists 
sort of like more than I even know is like people use Bellatrix as a way to find their book and then they do have in-person clubs. Like there's this amazing book club out of DC that's like the Bellatrix DC contingency. So like I, we've encouraged and I hope to continue to encourage people to like find the book on Bellatrix and then discuss it with a group that they get together that either they know previously because they had a book club or that like they've met through Bellatrix because what's kind of amazing, I, mean, I didn't know this because I don't spend that much time on Twitter, but, like, people have internet friends. Like, internet friends are a very real thing these days. Yeah, like, people you don't know and you've never Hell met, yeah. I mean, a ton of people online. Yeah. I mean, I now I meet a lot of people online. I talked to a woman yesterday that I've only known from online. So, like, I think... So so there's that. There's, like, people have their own Bellatrix book clubs that they do in person. And then I do think live video is kind of amazing in that we take for granted living in New York how many events there are every night especially literary events, like, you would think that they were just, like, they're a dime a dozen here. But in other cities, in other smaller cities and towns, you know, there isn't the same kind of access. And so live video is this, like, amazing opportunity to live stream things that are free to me but are not free to everyone. And so, like, if I can be a conduit and go and, like, set up my live streaming kit and then people can watch from wherever they are, whether it be in the United States or not, you know, that's a really amazing way to interact with the audience. And then, honestly, like, and I know this kind of sounds silly, but, you know, we, like, threaded comments are a huge thing. I DM with women all day long about books. And um, I do think that, like, why Instagram, at least as far as, like, literacy and the book reading community at large has been an amazing tool is that, like, reading is a very solitary act. And, like, the easiest way to connect with people that aren't in the same city or place that you are is like just to message with them. And I think it's, I, I think a lot of people like get sick of their book clubs sometimes or like they, they don't have other friends that are reading what they like. And so like if you can interact with someone on Instagram over something that's very, that's not politically charged necessarily, that's not like, you know, I don't know, that's, nonpartisan it's like it's very relaxing and cool and a, and a cool thing to do so yeah. yeah what so you said um women is it mostly a female community yeah yeah why is reading so female oh that's a good question well I think I because it is yeah no it, it really is. is it is and I think book clubs in general like book clubs in general are much more female oriented and I think I mean the demographic is basically like women over 35 who meet in like suburban areas to talk about the books that they read and you know I think it's you know I there's no there's no reason for it I think I think part of it is this group I I wonder if men are sort of as inclined to meet as groups and talk about things um generally and then like I just, I don't know, how, I, I'm sure they exist, I, I, I don't want to say they don't exist, but I think that, like, ga- the gathering of women over food and wine and books is just something that you're likelier to see. Sounds like the best <laughs> yeah. time ever Yeah, yeah, so it's like, I don't, I don't think that, you know, there is, I don't know, I don't think there's, like, a rhyme or reason to it, I just think that, you know, women, I, I would also imagine there's probably more female English majors. I, I don't know. Maybe that's not true. I don't know. But I, I I would guess that maybe that's the case. But yeah, certainly like, uh, you know, a, lar- a large portion of our readers are women. And, and, I, and I think that, 
I don't know. I don't know what the reason for that is. It's so just something that you notice. I think the book club thing is very real. Yeah. Though. Do you think that that books are dying in the same way that people talk about print media and magazines as dying? Well, for no, some reason, it feels totally different. Well, I would say, well, the the answer is no, and that one, like independent bookstores are actually, thri- I mean, they're thriving. Uh, in the sense of there's more, op- they're opening, they're expanding, people are shopping in them. And I think what people mistake Amazon for doing is like, oh, Amazon's putting independent bookstores out of business. Certainly, it, Amazon takes a large portion of the business because it's just cheaper to buy books on Amazon. But if Amazon didn't exist, like the ecosystem of like book selling would be really, would be hit. Like same with Barnes & Noble, like, um, they're just too big a part of the ecosystem. So I think there's a world where like independent bookstores are like an amazing resource, but they can exist along with Amazon because you don't go on Amazon to like get a recommendation. That's an algorithm that's driven by what other people have bought. Like you go to an independent bookstore if you want a bookseller to tell you what to read or you want to look at like the you know the cards that are like, you know, this person says that she read this one, da 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 da. There's a word for it and I'm forgetting it right now. But, like, I think independent bookstores and Amazon are so different that, like, I don't know. I, I don't think they're as big of a threat as people like to say. Yeah, I think Amazon, in a way, almost um, grows the pie. It brings accessibility to people where, you know, it's not easy to always get to your neighborhood bookstore. And maybe that would be the discovery point. It's kind of like what you're doing with Bellatrist, where there's an element of discovery and curation that I think is so important with what you're doing you know it used to be that people didn't know you know that what to read or it was it was hard there was no Amazon so it was hard to get books Mm -hmm. now there are so many books and as Mm -hmm. you correctly point out you can't possibly figure out what to read by looking at Amazon you'll get lost yeah and so curating an endless supply of information is the new prop is the new AI problem actually right Right, and I and I do think that maybe like, we should podcast. Right. <laughs> well, I do think that like, you know, why it's also so important for people like yourself to like have a platform along with the work that you do as a doctor is because there is there's so much information in every field in every segment of life, and it's kind of like I, as a person you feel like how do I, and there's misinformation. So like, how do I make choices about the things in my life as it pertains to like parenting, as it pertains to what should I read, as it pertains to what should I wear, as it pertains to like what should my skincare routine be. And so I think it's very important if you're someone who's in a position of power or a position of influence to like use that in a way that's positive and use it in a way that's like actually helping people, you know, sort through the mess of life. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like I, I think the one thing we've found running Bellatrice the past few years is, like, people have one question, which is, what should I read next? And so, if, like, we can answer that question, then that's the best thing we can do. Like, because there's just so much to read. And everyone I meet that doesn't even know that I do Bellatrice is always like, oh, I don't know what to read next. I don't know what to read Because if you go on Amazon, it's like, you can see what just came out. Right, and, but, lo- and modern life is so busy that I almost think that, you know, separately we're facing this other problem, which is the death of hobbies. Right, where right. It's that's like so true. You yeah. have stuff to do, and you have, you know, but I think that that's a little bit of the dark side of, like, 
girl boss, boss babe culture, which is that like, you know, everyone is so, and I, you know, I like that and we all have complex identities and I don't mean to disparage that in any way, but, um, there, there is an extent to which I sometimes feel like we're all so, so driven and so chasing our ambitions that there's a little bit of the forgetting of stuff that we actually like and the things that have us have only inherent value and not instrumental value. I, I th- there's a book that came out like a few months ago, and I'm, I have to plug this because it, she's so good. It's called um, How to Do Nothing by Jenny O'Dell, and this is very you know Instagram whatever. Um, <laughs> it's um, no, but she's a she's an amazing journalist, writer, thinker, young, and she there she really talks about this in her book, which is you know it's it's important to do nothing because you're doing nothing. It's not important to do nothing because something, because it's going to make you feel better, because it's, you know, it's a wellness practice. Like, it's just important to do nothing, to realize the power of doing nothing. And by that, she means, like, spending time by yourself, essentially. And I think, look, to a certain extent, it's, like, an ultimate privilege and a luxury to spend time doing nothing. I think there are a lot of people who, like, work more than one job or have many children or have to do X, Y, Z, but... I think the fact of the matter is, is that like even in downtime, people are like finding, you know, things they have to do. I have to do this. I have to like. I have to finish. You know, and her whole thing is like, we have to return to ourselves because we're not going to be good at life if we don't. <laughs> essentially, um, so I I really plug that book, and I think I think you're right. It's like if something is not leading to something else, especially you know, we can often feel like, well, this is a waste of my time. Or like talking to this person is a waste of my time. What, what can I do for me? Especially in New York City. Yeah, totally. But, but it's like the feeling of being at a party and someone <laughs> looking, looking like right past you to see who else they can talk oh, to. Oh, it's ask. horrible. It's so real. It's and and like dinner. I mean, in New York, it's crazy, crazy, crazy. Um, but yeah, I think also like, do I need to broadcast every second of my life? You know, I I like struggle. I'm like I run this bookstagram. We're promoting it on social media. Like not anti-social media by any means, but, like, there's something to be said by, like, having... There was a very fun... I don't know if it was on The Onion or some sort of comedy website where it was, like, this girl who ran the marathon and didn't tell anybody. And it, she was, like... She was, like, a... Para, like, nobody could understand her. <laughs> they were, like, yeah. why would you do that? Did it even happen? <laughs> right. I know. <laughs> and so it's, like, we kind of live in that time of, like, why would you run a marathon if you didn't tell everyone on Instagram? And, I mean, it's, like... Because, um, like, it's a good thing to do. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think reading falls into that category of like just read because you want to read a book like it doesn't have to be to like it doesn't have to be for any reason necessarily (laughs) that's so funny yeah well what do you guys have in store um for bellatrice next what is there anything cool for us to look out for yeah i mean we're looking we're working on this uh we're working on more like tv and film development stuff which is really fun because emma's obviously an actress and i have much i have like a film and TV interest I always have um, and so we're working on stuff in that space so you can stay tuned for that hopefully and um, and it's sort of my goal in the next year I've set this goal because I realize like goals matter <laughs> as a creative person with ADHD I'm like everything's for the moment <laughs> which is not a way to live um, so I, I would like to be able to get people the book of the month that we choose every month to their door just so like 
That's like, cool. I yeah. would definitely sign up yeah. for that. <laughs> right, right. Because most people are busy. <laughs> like you handed me a book today, and I'm like, great. Right, right. It's just like I feel unburdened. Exactly. So that's that's a goal for the next year as well. And then, um, yeah. And so that's those are two things that I'm very excited about. And uh, and yeah, and doing more doing more live events. I really um, I always really like doing author events because I think people have the opportunity to ask questions and and think about a book outside of just reading it. I know I do. Like, when I get to talk to authors, I have a whole new perspective on the book after I get to talk to them. So, you know, more more stuff like that. Fortunately, all these brands are, like, all into community building, so they all want to bring more conversation into, like, the brand ecosystem, which has been really nice for, for you know, having a space agnostic book club because yeah. people are very hospitable. Yeah, yeah, that's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, last question. It's a slightly off topic, but very pop culturally relevant. Okay. Caroline Calloway. <laughs> <laughs> I, I um, you know, stumbled into the rabbit hole of reading all of these articles. Like, Did trying to... You didn't ask me about this before we started talking. <laughs> trying to unpack this. <laughs> I just, like, I need some perspective. So Caroline Calloway... So I know Natalie, who wrote the I Was Caroline Conway mm-hmm. piece. She's very uh, close to my cousin. And <clears throat> Caroline actually, she knows that I know this. And we know it. Caroline has like reached out on Bellatrice, and we've talked before like on DM. There's an example of that. I talked on DM, and she DM'd me on my personal account. And, um, and then when she did the workshop, let's call it that, um, I started to realize, like, oh, this is um, <clears throat> this is a different perspective on Caroline than I knew DMing with her on Bellatrice in a sort of very innocent way. And um, I don't know. I, I think she is, I think she's like a, I think she's an interesting figure because I think she represents something more about this sort of moment that we're living in culturally than like the thing itself. Like I would not call her a scammer. There's a really good article that Caitlin... Flanagan wrote in the Atlantic. I mean, she's been given like a lot of serious, like, heavy play. press, <laughs> like like really serious. You can't play. buy Pierre like Flanagan that. writes yeah. about like college haze, like the implications of like. She mass- was a teacher at my school when I was. Caitlin Flanagan. Yeah, at Harvard Westlake in L.A. Like really? Yeah, she used to be a oh, an she's English like teacher. Like maybe twenty years ago or. 25 years ago or something. Oh, incredible. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. So she, I mean, but like the amount of, she's of awesome. space that has been on like digital space that has been dedicated to Caroline Calloway is wild. I think people are very put off by someone who says they want to be famous and want like a fortune I, by women who say that. And I'm like, that's cool for you, babe. Like, I think it's great. I think, I mean, I think it's great to like do something that, or say you're going to do something that you don't do. No. But I think to a certain extent, like, the messaging that comes out of, like, the Instagram influencer ecology is, like, anybody can do this and take some great photos, which is a complicated thing when you're someone who's, like, in your early 20s and wondering, like, what you should do with your life. And um, I think she got more caught up in it than most people do and it's a very different story than Anna Delvey which we'll be talking about on Thursday which is like Anna Delvey stole a lot and like owes 
tons and tons of money to the U.S. government. Whereas I think with Caroline Calloway, it's more of an indictment of like the ecosystem she lives in mm-hmm. than her as like a bad person. Right. I don't think she's like a bad. I don't think she's a bad person. I think like it's all. It's kind of about also like who we make into a hero. Like we, that's right. We sort of like have this almost evil parasitic way of creating heroes and then destroying them That's and then right. like wa- watching for their second act it's like very weird i think a lot of people were like i don't really get what this is like that was a lot of people's response on twitter like what is this like what's the point like these are just two, like a lot of people on twitter like these are just two white girls fighting like <laughs> and i think i think the like what is this question is because like she didn't really do that much wrong like she did like, Natalie went through a lot of hard sh- stuff with working with her, but, like, as far as, like, doing things that were illegal and, like, taking advantage of tons of people, like, the book advance thing is not good, but it's also, like, why are you giving her $600,000 as a book advance to write a book that, like, you don't know she can write? Like, it's, like, I'm sure people in publishing are asking themselves, like, do we pay too much for advances? <laughs> like, it's, I don't know if it's necessarily, like, her responsibility to be the the arbiter of that. I don't know. But it's fat. It, 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 I know people who are, are much more versed on it than I am. So interesting. And yeah. I just kind of also thought it was interesting, the idea of, like, is Instagram going to be the new freeform novel? Is this, like, or what's what's the next book? What's oh, the right. Next? You're, you're, yeah. Well, you're bringing up the, in- she write, write, was writing she the writes, first Instagram novel. Yeah. Well, on, like, all her <laughs> captions, like, I, I read something that was, like, her method of communication is Instagram now. Like, she's not writing on paper anymore. She's just writing on her phone. Yeah, she like the Bukowski of our times. I, I think part of it speaks to... Um, is it much harder to be like J.B. Salinger and live in a cabin in New Hampshire and, like, do TM in the morning and then write all day? Certainly. Like, would most people argue that that's real writing and, like, writing captions is not real writing? Certainly. But I'm also like, who's to say like who's to say that what yeah. real writing is anymore? And I know I'm gonna like, I don't know, I probably get flack for saying that because there is a difference between like a little life and an Instagram caption. You know, it's it's there's yeah. a huge difference between the two things. But like at the same time, if you know where your audience is and you want to reach that audience, you can't really fault her for like knowing her audience kind of thing. But I also like to see her sit down and write a novel. I yeah. don't know. I think that's what everyone wants. They're like, all right, do it. If you like, if you're a novelist, do it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, New York Public Library is doing all these Instagram novels that are really cool. If you go and check them out, they're just like, they post novels and Instagram stories and they're gorgeous. They're like designed by this company called Mother. And they're really oh, I have beautiful. To check that they're out. gorgeous. They're like old. They're like cla- They're classics. Yeah. And they did this whole campaign last year, and it really worked. Like people were clicking through stories and reading text on it. Yeah. And that, I think, could be an interesting future of the novel. But we'll see. I don't know. I don't know if people want to re- read that way. Yeah. I still like to read books, but who am I to say? <laughs> well, this has been so fun chatting with you. I feel like I could talk to you all night, but, you know, our time is running short. Um, totally. But um, where can people find you and Bellatrist? Best places on Instagram, there we go. Uh, at the E-L-L-E-T-R-I-S-T. And um, yeah, I would. I mean, if people want to listen to my podcast that I do, it has nothing to do with books, really. It has to do with artificial intelligence, but we try to explain it to a lay person. Um, so it feels more like Reply All, if you if people like that. Um, it's called Sleepwalkers, and you can get it on Apple Podcasts. 
Um, and then bellatrice.com, if you want to sign up for our newsletter, we send out a weekly newsletter where we interview a different author every week called The Villagers Brief. So that's where you can... And I'm, you know, I have an Instagram, but I post crazy memes and stuff. Yeah, it's really fun. I'm more like, fuck Jerry. (laughs) (laughs) One day I'm I'm like dreading a phone call where I was like, you need to stop. (laughs) This is crazy. Um, Well, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. That was really fun. Mm -hmm.